if I was going to cancel service tonight, and I said it's against my policy to cancel for Super Bowls because uh, my church back home, when I first got saved, we uh, were playing the 49ers against the Denver Broncos, and we lost 55 to 10, and I felt like that was a sign. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, uh, so get your hymnals, if you will. Get your blue hymnals. And uh, we're going to sing number 160. 160. <clears throat> How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me. That I might thy channel be, channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Empty that thou shouldest fill me, a clean vessel in thy hand. With no power but as thou givest Graciously with each command Channels only, blessed Master But with all thy wondrous power Flowing through us, thou canst use us Every day and every hour Witnessing thy power to save me setting free from self and sin thou who boughtest to possess me in thy fullness lord come in channels only blessed master but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us thou canst use us every day and every Jesus, fill now with thy spirit, hearts that full surrender know, that the streams of living water from our inner man may flow. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power, flowing through us, thou canst use us, Every day and every Very good, amen. If you can, let's all turn to 106 and let's all stand. 106. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweet as that ever was heard. Tell of the angels in chorus, sang as they welcomed his birth. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest. Peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right. 
write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past. How for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest it ever was. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him, tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was. Amen. Good singing. Brother Richard, would you open us in prayer, please? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, uh, let's uh, get a a volunteer. Your brother Lake, you're looking like a volunteer. Not yet. I mean, we'll get you here in a second. There we got two volunteers. There we go. So we'll make sure we had volunteers. I uh, I mean, it's Super Bowl. You got to give a. So we will be having choir practice after. <laughs> Just joking. I had to tell it. I couldn't help myself. But anyhow, no, it's good. I tell you what, I'm really happy y'all will be here tonight and uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, just uh, preaching the word. Amen. We're going to receive our uh, evening tithes and offerings, so if our volunteers will come and uh, we'll receive those. Let me encourage you to get the, uh, the bulletin in the back back there, and it's uh, got some names and dates. And let me say uh, one that I'll put in here for next week. But Easter is early this year. It's March the 31st, and uh, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper again the Tuesday before. And like I said, we'll get that in the bulletin next week. But I just kind of want to give a heads up just because it is so early this year. Okay? All right, Brother Jason, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing in the offering.
That's good. Number 257, did y'all have to fight the urge to sing It Is Well With My Soul with the choir this morning? I, uh, I was feeling that same urge myself, and, uh, and uh, uh, they did a tremendous job. Amen? And so praise the Lord for that. 257. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know that saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust <laughs> I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. Very good. We got time for one more, so let's sing one more. Let's do 436. 436. 
436. <clears throat> Heart is the shepherd's voice I hear Out in the desert dark and drear Calling the sheep who've gone astray Far from the shepherd's fold away Bring them in, bring them in Bring them in from the fields of sin Bring them in, bring them in Bring the wandering ones to Jesus Who'll go and help this shepherd kind Help him the wandering ones to find Who'll bring the lost ones to the fold Where they'll be sheltered from the cold Bring them in, bring them in Bring them in from the fields of sin Bring them in, bring them in Bring the wandering ones to Jesus out in the desert hear their cry Out on the mountains wild and high Heart is the master speaks to thee Go find my sheep where'er they be Bring them in, bring them in Bring them in from the fields of sin Bring them in, bring them in, bring the wandering ones to Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen, amen. Well, we had, uh, we had a full week this week, and, um, and uh, it was a blessing, a, a challenge from the Word of God, and... Uh, and if you, like I said this morning, if you want copies to either share or give, please do let us know. We can give it to you. We're going to get it so you can do a DVD if you need that, or CDs if you need that, uh, or the memory stick thing, whatever, the flash drive thing, whatever. Is that what they call it, right? Flash drive. And, um, and so if you would like those, uh, uh, we can get those for you. If you do have the computer, you can go to Sermon Audio. And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, it, it was just a good week, and it just seemed like he covered everything. I mean, he just kind of hit everything. And, and if he couldn't get contacted somewhere there, he probably stepped on all our toes every once in a while. Amen. And just uh, what a privilege it was. But it, it was just, uh, it is, it makes for a long week. You know, you, you get uh, a little uh, extra commitment and responsibilities and stuff like that. And, uh, and so, if you will, I thought tonight uh, maybe just to have a little bit of honey. You know, I, I believe that uh, the Word of God, the Bible speaks of, if you will, milk. And to me, that's the basic gospel, the simple truths of the Word of God, that a person can know that they, who they are and who Christ is and our need for salvation. Then the Bible talks about bread. That's, if you will, after that's your daily sustenance. That's the strength that you receive from, from learning and growing in the Scriptures. The Bible talks about then meat being things that are hard, that are 
to be understood. You don't give meat to a baby, okay? Uh, it's by reason and full use of the scriptures, you begin to grow and mature where that you can take and you can chew the meat and you can digest the meat. But then the Bible also speaks of the word of God as honey. And so it's good for us to take every once in a while and to enjoy honey. To me, honey is uh, usually prophecy. And uh, so I kind of want to talk about that here a little bit tonight. I've had a few express interest in a couple things uh, prophetically. And so if you will, I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, there's a reason why I go here. And if you're familiar, uh, good. And if you're not, that's the, that's the purpose of the lesson here tonight. But in Daniel chapter 2, uh, uh, the Lord, if you will, gives a vision to Nebuchadnezzar. And he and his wise men cannot discern the meaning of the vision. And God speaks to a man and has spoke to man in many different ways over, over time. He has spoke directly to man. And then, of course, there's others who have had, if you will, uh, uh, faith and experience with God. And they pass that on, if you will, through telling of the story. We talked about that this morning, from faith to faith. And so we share our faith with one another. But then also sometimes he would give visions. Sometimes he would give dreams. And uh, then he would give interpretations. A modern equivalent to that would be during Pentecost in the early church where that God needed to give them extra revelation. And so, if you will, some, if you will, would have the gift of prophecy and they would speak, if you will, and, and, and give things like that. And then people would have to interpret it so that everybody could benefit from it, if you will. And uh, praise the Lord, though, we have what the Bible says in First Peter is a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. And so even the voice of God that they heard in the garden, okay, and they did hear the voice of God, did they not? And yet the one who heard that voice says, we have something better. We've got the Bible, amen? And so it's good for us to take and to, uh, to study it. We see Daniel chapter 2. He's been given a vision. He doesn't understand it. So if you will, he calls for an interpreter. His, if you will, wise men let him down, his wise men. Matter of fact, to the point he's, he's going to kill him, okay? Uh, knowing this, that if God can give a vision, God can give an, an interpretation too, okay? And he felt like uh, that he was being deceived by his own. But if you will, in verse 31, the Bible begins to describe, if you will, this vision. And the Bible says here, it says, Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. By the way, can you imagine he's describing a vision somebody else had? I don't know about you, but I kind of think only God can do that, okay? And so he says, Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. And this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. Now, we would use a word awesome, uh, awe-striking, awe-inspiring, okay? So when he talks about terrible, it doesn't mean it was like some kind of gargoyle thing, but it was just an, an awesome, amazing image, okay? Overwhelming in a sense. And the Bible says this image, this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, his feet part iron and part clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, and the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Unless you don't understand chaff... He's literally talking about this. This metal image was taken and destroyed by a stone, and it became as of the 
chaff is the residue of the seed. If, if anybody's ever taken wheat, if you'll take the wheat seed and rub it in your hand like that, it'll have a kernel that you can eat, it's nutritious, but everything else is chaff. And they would take and they would literally throw it up in the air, they would take a cross breeze, and all the chaff would blow off. So you can see the mental picture, can you? Literally this stone hits this, be amazing, amazing vision, amen? And so that's what he saw, the Bible says. Uh, it says that no place was found that, for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so even in our mind's eye, we can take and we can see this vision, can we not? Think about the head of gold and the great tall statue and, and, uh, or image, if you will, later became a statue, I believe, or at least part of it did. But uh, uh, the Bible says in verse 36, he says, this is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Okay, he's still got his friends there with him, amen. The Bible says, thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee uh, a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. By the way, could, can I just stop and notice thing? The Bible says, thou art a king of kings. By the way, that was a, a title that kings of those days valued, cherished. As a matter of fact, he was called by God a king of kings. The king of Persia later titled, self-titled himself king of kings. Uh, Alexander the Great, when he defeated the Persian king, took the title king of kings. Can you all see that it's amazing how that, if you will, uh, kings might be overwhelmed with their power, and they like being the head king of kings, amen? But, uh, folks, they are a king of kings, a king of kings, a king of kings, because we know who the king of kings is. And, and so praise the Lord for that. And so, if you will, they, they enjoyed having that title. They, they enjoyed, if you will, having that, that sense of awe and respect uh, put upon them. And the Bible says in verse 38, and says, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the, peace, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand. He says, I've given you stewardship and control uh, of all this, especially, of course, the, uh, the promised land, uh, the land of Israel. And he said, and it hath made thee ruler over all them. Thou art this head of gold. After thee shall another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. By the way, it's also implied brass is inferior to silver. Okay? And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall, in, uh, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou saw the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the, feet, uh, the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven, here we go, that's where I'm trying to get to, <laughs> shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall, say it with me, never be destroyed. Praise God. Uh, folks, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is coming to reign. Now, it's not really a promise that we in the church are looking forward to, because it's the nation of Israel that's looking forward to this promise. And by the way, it's the nation of Israel to whom this promise is given, okay, in a sense, uh, that Daniel being a prophet concerning the kingdom of Israel. And the Bible says, and the people 
uh, excuse me, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall, say it with me, stand forever. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing praises to your name tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to fellowship together, to sit under your word. And we just pray, Lord, if we do take this a little bit, and there's some things maybe hard to be understood, but there's also some wonderfully sweet promises, Lord, is that you are fulfilling your word right before our eyes. And the conclusion to that is that we can look upward knowing of your soon coming. And Father, even if it be today, Lord, let thy will be done, even so come quickly. Father, build our faith, help us to be concerned for the opportunities of the present, and help us to be busy about your work. Lord, just uh, challenge us now. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so I do want to talk about this awesome image here uh, tonight. And what it's talking about here is talking about Gentile kingdoms and the age or the time of the Gentiles, meaning this. Uh, we, we've looked recently and been looking in our Sunday school class that God has given the children of Israel, and even now, he's bringing them into what we call his promised land. Amen? And we've been seeing the fact that it belongs to God. He's given it as an inheritance to his children. He wants to establish his kingdom there, but because of their sin, and if you will, their rebellion against God, God has removed them from the land. And if you will, instead of the king of Israel sitting on the throne, who he's no longer at this point sitting on the throne, he's been removed. He's been taken into captivity. Some have been killed and some have been deposed and some have been exiled, if you will. And, but there's not a king in Israel sitting on the throne. And God calls it, if you will, the times of the Gentiles, if you will. He's, he's talking about a time where instead of a, a Jewish king, and help me now, is there a Jewish king going to sit on that throne someday? Folks, his name is Jesus Christ. And folks, Jesus Christ is a Jewish king, amen? He is from the tribe of Judah. That's where we get that title. He is a son of David, amen? And he's not just a son of David. He is the son of David, amen? And he is the one that is eventually going to take, and he is going to sit on that throne. And we know this, he's going to sit on that throne for at least a thousand years, amen? We were talking this uh, last week, Brother Taylor and I, and, and we're just trying to imagine what that kingdom's going to look like when he comes. So please forgive me for a little diversion here. But you remember I taught here a year ago or so. Can you imagine what it was like for Noah to get off the ark? Remember what the world was like when he got on? Paradise, and, 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 and I don't know what else to say, but luxuriant growth and huge trees, and you guys understand that? And when they get out, every living, living thing has literally been ground to powder, literally. Amen. All we got to do is look and see. That's what all this sedimentary rock is around here, folks, is, is he literally took his creation and ground it to powder. And then he slowly got rid of the water. And when they got out, the best they could have seen was maybe the greenness from sprigs and twigs and grasses and little things. Folks, there wasn't a grown tree on the planet when they got out. Amen. Now, folks, do you realize uh, I, I have an interest in World War I history? And part of the reason for that is this, is in World War I, all the European nations were essentially related to one person, Queen Victoria. But the problem is, is that they all went to different realms, and they all wanted to be the big king. 
And so they raised up their armies and they wanted to be the big tough guy. And they were just waiting for a spark of a fuse to ignite what became known as the Great War or World War I. And uh, folks, if you haven't read, World War I was just a brutally destructive war. Uh, tens of thousands of people died every day, okay? I, I, I got the number. The number is so big that you wouldn't believe it if I told you anyhow of how many people died during that. And, and folks, uh, folks, is there a war coming? Is there a terrible time on this earth coming? Yeah, and, and it's just set up all around the world, and you look at it, and you think, how can people not see this? If you just read in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about at one time, one-third of all the people are going to die. And then in another place it says, after this, one-quarter of all the people are going to die. And folks, it's simple math. One-third of one-quarter is one-half. One-third of one-quarter is one-half, meaning one-half of all the inhabitants on the earth are going to die. And folks, we know that today as the Great Tribulation and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and the men are going to be fighting and just the world is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes and he takes the throne. The Bible talks about the book of Ezekiel that they're going to take and literally burn the implements of war for months, okay, for months. They're going to be burying bodies for months, okay, and I don't have time to take and to go into all of it. But the reason I use the illustration of how awful that the world looks uh, at the end of the flood and getting off with Noah's Ark, folks, that's how the world's going to look when Jesus comes again. Folks, do you realize the pestilences and the earthquakes and the wars, and this is going to be a battle zone, that they're going to be burying bodies, they're going to be burning tanks, amen? They're going to be taking, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to slay the enemies, amen, praise the Lord. But when he sits on the throne, this is going to be a battle zone for him to take and to rule and to reign. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take the human beings that are there, and he's going to say, all right, you start burying bodies, and you start getting rid of the war debris, amen? You start plowing the fields. We're going to make crops again. Come on now, amen? And folks, slowly but surely, with his wonderful leadership, he's going to turn this world from a battle zone all the way back into a paradise. There's no doubt in my mind. And he's going to have a thousand years, whereby somehow he's going to make it so that the lion can lay down with the lamb and, and men will make no more war. I don't know about you. I, I, I kind of like to see that. But I have seen it. We got the word of God. See, every once in a while it's good for us, especially when it comes to, if you will, this, this, these times of, of prophecy. Sometimes we just read it, but could you just stop and think about it, okay? And so, if you will, when he comes to come and to reign, and his reign is going to last forever, there's going to be no more kings after him, amen. We'll, we'll talk about that here more in a second. Just get the picture of what he's trying to say. You're going to rule for a while, Nebuchadnezzar and all that follow you, but there's coming a day where God's going to say, done. All right? Uh, what day are we in? Are we still in the time of the Gentiles, or are we in the time of Jesus' reign? Sounds like a silly question, doesn't it? Look at all the instability in the Middle East, okay? And some people would say, oh, no, and they could have war and everything like this. Can I let you in a little secret? God still is very much in control. And he's told us exactly what's going to happen. He's laid it out, and he's shown it to us here. And if you'll just take and meditate on it, you might even be able to see a few details here, okay? Let's notice a couple things that, about this image now then. And we'll, we'll, we'll come back to where I kind of left you off here. 
I want you to notice a couple things about, uh, about this image. Notice if it says in verse 32. Go to verse 32, Daniel 2 and verse 32. Notice the descending value of the metals, okay? Um, by the way, would this apply back then? The answer is yes, because he did it. He wrote it back then. Would this still be true today? Would the value of the metals be gold first, silver second, brass third, iron fourth? Would it still be that way? And by the way, there's a number of reasons why it's like that. The biggest reason uh, of, of one of the reasons, the reason why gold has value, gold doesn't rust. Gold is malleable, okay? Gold is, is, is a precious metal because of its properties, okay? And, and so if you will, he says, you are the head of gold. He says, but the next kingdom that's coming is not as good as you. It's going to be a kingdom of silver. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But just uh, what I want you to notice is, if you will, this was gold government. Silver government's coming. Okay? He says, what's coming after that? Brass government. Okay? And if you will, the quality of the architecture and the quality of the society and the quality of maybe even people's relationship with God, I, 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 can't, I can't speak to that clearly, but if you will, it's continually descending. Uh, help me, what do you think, United States of America, what's our greatest achievement? Somebody help me, just, I'm guessing, I, any answer is good. Apparently nothing. <laughs> Uh, here, here's, here's one I think of. How about the Hoover Dam? Let's go with the Hoover Dam, okay? Uh, who, that's a pretty impressive thing, okay? But it's a dam, okay? Anybody know what the greatest achievement of the Babylonian Empire was? It was called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And if you ever research it, it's really kind of a very interesting place. I, I'm not going to get into it. But the whole point is this. It was called one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. If I remember right, they had a second one. They also had, uh, you may know the ancient world here. <laughs> All right, I forgot it. I think they had a second one. By the way, what, uh, what uh, and we'll see this here in a second, what um, nation preceded um, Babylon in controlling Israel? And the answer is Egypt. Does Egypt have any big monuments? Okay, that's a pretty obvious one. So, if you will, you got Egypt here making pyramids that are still standing. It's still exceedingly impressive. Amen. Uh, the only reason that we don't know anything about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon is because they've been torn down. They've, they've been destroyed, okay? Really, the only one that still exists is the pyramids, okay, of the ancient uh, wonders of the world. And, and then what did the Persians make? Well, the Persians made a, a city called Persepolis, the city of the Persians. That's what Persepolis means. And if you ever read it, it talks about the, the columns and the curtains and the, and the magistrate. And it was a wonderful place, but it, it doesn't match up to pyramids and, and, and seven wonders of the world. Y'all with me? And then what did the Greeks do? Well, they made a sporting coliseums. Okay, pretty impressive. I mean, I mean, pretty impressive in a lot of ways. But if you will, you'll notice, if you will, the technology and the society and the grandeur and the splendor and the riches is continually going like this. What, is, what does history and science teach us if you go to school? Is man going like this or is man going like this? Yeah, see, they got it completely backwards, saying we're getting smarter and better and richer. And, and God's saying, no, you're getting worse and worse and worse. And by the way, why as a world are we getting worse and worse and worse? I'll tell you why. It's because we're getting farther and farther and farther from God. 
And that's what he's trying to talk about. He's, he's not talking about how the world is getting better. He's talking about how the world is going to take and degenerate from the time of Nebuchadnezzar. You are the head of gold. This is a wonderful society, but it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And folks, is there a big difference in value <laughs> between building things with gold and building things with miry clay and iron? Uh, we built things today, by the way, our great achievement, if you'll allow me, the Hoover Dam. What is it made of? Concrete and steel. And by the way, that's kind of like iron and clay. Y'all with me? God is, God is talking about, he says it's just going to keep, if you will, becoming worse and worse and worse and worse. Now, I, I'm trying to connect with you and give you a real important illustration you can understand and I think this will help you. Does anybody know what a candy bar costs today? Dollar twenty-four. So we had somebody that knows the number. And uh, by the way, we're getting ready to have a chocolate shortage. So buy your chocolate now. Candy bar. Um, some of you remember when a candy bar went for a nickel. I don't know if you know the philosophy of, of Hershey. Hershey kept the price of a candy bar at a nickel, and he adjusted the size according to what a nickel would buy. That's why he kept it for a nickel for so long. And to be honest with you, there were times there were some pretty big candy bars for a nickel. Amen. Uh, I don't think the candy bars today compare. A dollar twenty-four for this compared to a nickel for. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, who, whoever bought a nickel candy bar? All right, somebody confess. <laughs> Is that a big deal? Nickel candy bar. It's not like that now. You've got to take a bank loan to buy a candy bar. Amen. Folks, our world, for all of its abundance and riches, is to be quite honest with you, degenerating right before our eyes. And folks, I'm telling you, our, our children are never going to have the lifestyle that our parents had. They're just never... I don't know if you're all following this, folks, but young people today, you really need to pray for them. Because what was the American dream? You own your own house, own your own car? Well, folks, a lot of young people today are going to find it very hard with the incomes that are available to them to own a house. So much so that if you go on the outside of town here, they built a three-block neighborhood, and it doesn't say for sale. It says for rent. Is there a big difference between renting a home for 30 years and buying a home over 30 years? Are we living in a decaying world, in a decaying society? And so that's what God is teaching us with this principle here. He's talking about the descending value, going from gold to silver to brass to iron to iron and clay. He talks about also descending malleability, okay? I don't know if you know this, but gold is very malleable. You can take and you can hammer it, you can stretch it, it doesn't break. You, know, you can make it so thin that you can take and tap it on paint and, and, and gild things. You all understand that? And, and so it's very malleable. It can be pounded into thin sheets, okay? And, and think about this. What is malleable when it comes to a man? Well, I think about malleable of a heart, Amen. I want you to think about this. Nebuchadnezzar was an evil man. He was, a, he was an idolater. But you realize this, God worked on his heart so much so that he wrote chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. 
whereby he honors and glorifies the God of heaven. Amen. I believe we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. But please take this the right way. What happened after that is the Persians got harder. And the Greeks got harder. Amen. And whether you think it's the Romans or uh, I think, I'm not trying to cause a controversy, but I, I think it's, it's possible it's the Muslims, okay, who are even harder today. Why? Because the Romans built things. When it talks about the terrible beast and the iron and the clay, it talks about them only destroying things. Anybody remember what the Muslims did when they went into Afghanistan? The first thing they started doing was blowing up the culture. They, they blew up the Buddhists and said, well, we don't believe in that. Well, I appreciate that, but do you have to blow it up, okay? And so they would blow up and they would destroy and they would tend. Have you ever seen the cities and the nations that Muslims dominate? What the countries look like? Folks, have you seen Gaza? Okay, folks, Gaza, they have literally blown that entire place up. And you say, well, the Jews did that. No, it looked like that before. I mean, it didn't look that bad before. You guys understand my whole point. And they, they have just taken and totally destroyed the value of the world that they live in. And by the way, their hearts get harder and harder and harder. I don't know if you know this, but when it comes to Muslims... They'll let you be a Jew or a Christian if you're willing to pay a tax, okay? But the one thing they're not willing for you to do is to become a Muslim and then not become a Muslim. I don't know if you know this, but it's a death penalty for you to ever unconvert, okay? Is that hard? And think about this. And, and you can't hardly win people today because they either believe some lie, okay, and people have become prouder and prouder and, 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 and so intellectual they can't be one. Amen. When the Bible talks about the days of Noah, are we getting there? And if you will, take this the right way. In general, men's hearts, instead of being malleable, are becoming harder and harder and harder. Just like the materials from this statue here. And so we see that these kingdoms, God takes and he gives these metaphors or he gives these, these things for us to take and to understand, if you will, that, that society is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Less valuable, less valuable, less valuable. They're going to go from being malleable, movable, uh, if you will, to where it's absolutely unmovable. When it talks about iron and clay, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about iron and ceramic, Okay. If I took my ring, my gold ring, this is, uh, this is titanium, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, anybody want to give me a, a gold ring? No? No volunteers? <laughs> you guys know. If I took my gold ring, okay, and I dropped it on the ground, what would the worst thing that could happen to it? Worst thing? It'd bend. And what would I have to do to fix it? i just have to move it. If I took a piece of ceramic and dropped it, what would happen? It would shatter. It'd be totally broken. You guys see that? And so when it comes to the hardness, the, the, the thing about it is, is, is instead of being movable and malleable, people are becoming so fixed in their positions that rather than taking and being converted, they just don't want to have anything to do with a God at all. Amen. So much so that we live in a world full of atheists. And, and agnostics and whatever, because they just say, I don't have, okay, it, is it getting that way? It's getting that way. 
And so God takes and he shows that, and it's getting harder and harder. And by the way, more brittle. Go to Daniel chapter 7 just real quick. Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 7. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, and after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured, it broke in pieces, it stamped the residue at the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Um, most, most people in my lifetime have translated this kingdom as the Roman Empire. The only problem with it being the Roman Empire, folks, is the Roman Empire is known for basically two things. Law, okay? Okay, they called it Lex Rex, the law rules, okay? And so they brought law to the different places that they uh, conquered. And folks, what's the other thing they're known for? Building things. The Romans' roads. Folks, there are roads today in the city of Monette that in front of my house they have to repair four times a year. And there are Romans' roads. They're thousands of years old and they're still being used today. Okay, y'all understand that? Folks, they were known as builders, not destroyers. Okay, and so when you look at that, that's why I kind of think that maybe Islam and, and the Muslims have something to do with that. Why? Because anytime they come into a culture, they destroy the culture. Anytime they come into a state, they destroy the state. Anytime they come into something valuable, they blow it up, they destroy it. Amen. And, and the Bible says that this beast is diverse from all the others. Folks, I, folks anybody know what kind of government we, we have? We have a representative republic. You know where we got it? We got it from the Rome, Romans. Okay, we got it from the Romans. Amen. Well, folks, that's not the kind of government these people have today. All right? They're destructive, and, they're, and, 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 and it's completely different. Uh, I don't know about you. I, I, uh, I got to ask, did you ever have the Muslim briefing? If you ever had to go to a Muslim country? We... Uh, I was supposed to go to Turkey, and uh, they gave us the Muslim briefing because they said, you guys don't know what you're dealing with, so we're going to teach you. And so they said, don't you ever do this. Because if I was to do that to a Muslim man, he would feel the obligation to kill me because I just insulted him in the greatest way you could. Never take and go, good to see you, Jimmy. Because if I just did that, I just insulted that man. He would be obligated to kill me. Okay? I'm just telling you, they made it very abundantly clear. You are dealing with people you don't understand how they think. Okay? You're dealing with a completely different kind of people. I just saw this this last week, and so please forgive me if my memory doesn't serve me well. I'm, I'm going to give it to you the best I can. But, folks, we've heard that the Muslims want to engage in jihad. Does anybody know what that means? Holy war. But the word itself means struggle. Okay, The word itself means struggle. And so you can engage in jihad with prayer. Okay? Or you can engage in jihad by blowing yourself up. And you say, what in the world is the motivation for somebody blowing themselves up? Now, I don't know how many of y'all heard this, but there were people that when they attacked on uh, January the 6th, that they called home and told their parents what they were doing. 
and one person, they, they played the call or, or, or gave an account of the call. He had just murdered a family, and he called his, his family, and they said, we are so proud of you. Because he had engaged in jihad, and if he died at this point, he would be a martyr. And you would say, oh, he gets his 70 virgins, and he gets to be in paradise. No, no, you know why they were so proud of him? Because he gets to bring, I think, 40 people of his family to paradise with him. I didn't know that until this last month. And you wonder why their brains and and why they attack and why it's so ugly. And God from the beginning says they're not going to be like any other people. Do you all see that? He's literally telling us in Daniel chapter 2, these people are going to be exceeding fierce, not like that they were before. Can I tell you, there's codes of honor on a battlefield. All right? And what he's saying is there's going to be no code of honor. They're, they're going to take and they're going to kill the, the innocent and the weak. And the, you guys all understand that. By the way, I, you guys know this. We'll put our women and children here. Please take this the right way. Where do they put their women and children? They put them here. He says you're dealing with people you don't understand. You're going to be dealing with people that you don't understand. And in a sense, you're not going to take and defeat them until Jesus himself comes and takes and defeats them. Amen. And we don't have time to go into all that. But the whole point is this, is folks, at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus Christ is going to come. He's going to crush all those Gentile kingdoms. And what's the Bible say is going to happen to their, in a sense, their memory? Come on now, amen. And what's going to happen to his kingdom? And it's going to fill the whole earth. And I don't know about you, but even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't have time to, to go any further, but I do want to conclude here. I want you to go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 20, please. Revelation chapter 20. Because the, the, the kingdom of the beast is going to be a godless kingdom. It's going to be a vicious kingdom. It's going to be, you can't believe how wicked of a kingdom. I I hope you got that from everything I just talked about. Because the Bible talks about in Daniel chapter 7, he's going to be a terrible beast, an awful. And we use that word awesome. It's not talking about awesome in a good way. It's talking about a terrible, awful. You can't even imagine how bad. But in Revelation chapter 20, I guess I ought to get there. Amen. Revelation chapter 20. What's, What's God going to do? God is going to take and he's going to destroy all those wicked kingdoms, going to blow away their memory. And for a thousand years, people are going to have babies. By the way, we're not going to have babies because we're not like the angels. We're not given in marriage. Y'all with me? But there are going to be humans having babies. And they're going to be working their fields and they're going to be living on their farms. And they're going to be living under God's justice. Amen. And for a thousand years, you're going to get to see what the Lord Jesus does sitting on a throne where he turns a battlefield, a destroyed world, back into a paradise. The lion's going to be able to lay down with the lamb. The Bible says that the suckling child is going to be able to lay upon a cockatrice den. A cockatrice is a a king cobra, okay? Any of you all want your kids playing a king cobra den right now? 
And, and so, if you will, God's going to so transform the world that, if you will, it's going to be back to its luxuriousness. It's going to be back to its quality. It's going to be back to as, as much of a time of blessing as a thousand years of improvement can do. Y'all with me? And people are going to look at that, and they're going to say, wow. And the whole time, that the reason that that is possible to happen is because Satan has been locked up. And God says there in Revelation chapter 20, Verse 7, he's, he's going to be loosed for a season. Amen? And I've told you this before. I, I don't know how long that season is. It could be one day or it could be a thousand years. I mean, it literally could be. It, it just says a season. Amen? And if you will, he's going to have to do exactly what he did with Eve. Yea, hath God said. Don't you think it's kind of arrogant to call yourself the King of kings and Lord of lords? Do you think he did all this for you, or do you think he did it for himself? And I don't know what Satan's going to do, amen? But somehow, he's going to take, and he's going to whisper in enough people's ears that I believe that the, the type is that one-third of humanity is going to turn. Because one-third of the angels turn. That's, that's where I get that, okay? And so I believe up to one-third of humanity is going to turn, and the Bible says they're going to surround that city, and they're essentially going to say, no, we'll be the king now. And God is going to just say enough. And fire is going to come down from heaven and just wipe them all out. And then great white throne judgment and everything like that. Folks, I, I can't imagine this. Watching for a thousand years a broken, burned down battlefield. And a gracious God sitting on a throne who did nothing but improve their lives. And Satan could come and whisper in their ear and have people turn against the very God who did all that for them. And please take this the right way. They're without excuse. God wrote it down. Some of these things that we're studying, we have to read history books and we have to kind of figure out and we have to discern, amen? They're going to be alive for a thousand years and watch all of it happen. At least some of them will be alive for a thousand. Y'all with me? And yet, now those ones can't turn because you can't lose your salvation. But don't you know that they're going to tell their kids, kids, don't forget that book. Better stay in that book. Why? Because God showed you, if you want to see it, he, he told you what history is going to be like. He told you what government's going to be like. He told you what the economy's going to be like. Isn't that what we just looked at? And folks, all you got to do is look around and go, God was 100% right. By the way, any of you all surprised about that? Those same people, though, at the end of a thousand years, Satan somehow is going to come up and turn their heart against God. Do we have a wicked enemy? And folks, we, we didn't even get into the beast and get into all that. He is a deceiver. He is a destroyer. He is our enemy. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes we're more worried about the candy bar. Hey, at least we're getting a candy bar. Hey, candy bars are great now. How many of y'all remember, oh, please forgive me, I don't advance trick-or-treating, but I did, so forgive me. But you used to get all excited about somebody if you ever gave you a candy bar. Ah! That's why I try to give them out now. Everybody gives candy. Everybody gives chocolate now. Why? Right? 
it just, it's just become common, and we're just so blinded by all these things that we think are so wonderful, and God says it's the garbage compared to what I want to offer you. Amen. Would to God that we would take and understand. Jesus is coming again. The Bible tells us that we should be ready. I don't think, I think everything's set up, to be quite honest with you. I think all this stuff could take and, and could happen, and would to God that we'd be found busy when he comes again. Let's all stand if you would. Not really an invitation type message because we were just savoring a little honey tonight. I pray that there was something there for you and, and something to chew on and something to encourage you and strengthen you in your faith. Let's uh, turn to number just tell me. 249. 249. Yeah, turn to 249. I, I was...